Welcome to the Business of You podcast. I'm your host, Rachel Gogos. This podcast is dedicated to helping you uncover how to turn your big idea into big business and grow your personal brand into the business of your dreams. Each week, I'll talk to founders of all kinds of businesses, exploring how they launched and grew their companies. Behind every successful business is an epic journey, one that can serve as a roadmap to help you grow yours. The Business of You is all about frank conversations and unique business wisdom for the entrepreneur. It's a chance to tune into the story behind the brand and retrace the path of those who walked this road before you so you can pave your own road to success. Welcome to the Business of You. Hey there, before we dive into today's show, you might have noticed something a little bit different. We changed up the intro music. I wanted something more inspirational and upbeat because when you listen to this show, I want you to feel like you can do anything you put your mind to. So let me know if the music resonates. Either drop a note in the comments or send me an email at rachel at thebrandid.com. I'd love to hear your opinion about the music. And I'd also love to know what you want to hear more of on the show. Is there a certain guest you want to hear from? Is there certain topics you want to hear more about? Just drop me a note. Like I said, the email is rachel at thebrandid.com. Christina Nicholson is our guest today on The Business of You. Christina founded and runs her PR agency called Media Maven. She launched this business after she worked as a TV anchor for more than 10 years. She has some really fascinating stories she shares on today's episode of her broadcast journalism days. But since she started Media Maven, she has also created an online course and group program for business owners who want to earn coverage in the media, but may not have a budget to hire a full-fledged agency. So definitely check out her online course as well. And on a personal note, Christina is a mother of three. She still is a TV host and she lives in sunny Florida. I hope you enjoyed today's episode of The Business of You as you dive into Christina Nicholson's story. Christina, welcome to The Business of You. How are you today? Thank you. Thank you so much for having me, Rachel. I'm excited to be here. Well, it's great to have you. Excited to dive into your story. Speaking of stories, you are quite the storyteller, having been a journalist for many, many years and now running a PR agency. Would love to hear how you got to to be a broadcast journalist. I think that was one of your earlier professions. Yeah, I mean, I'm thinking back like when I wanted to be a TV reporter, and I think it was my earliest memory is when I was in the eighth grade and it was like career day and I lived in a small town, so I couldn't go to a TV station for career day. So instead I went to the local cable station, which was like a local church station, I'm pretty sure. And I read the announcements. So dating back to when I was in the eighth grade, that is when I decided that I wanted to be a TV news journalist. And the reason it was TV and wasn't print was because I've always liked taking pictures and pictures were bigger when I was younger than video. Obviously it's easier to take video now than it was then, but I just like the imagery of it all. So I think that's why I leaned more towards TV journalism instead of print journalism. So it was something you knew you wanted to do from a young age, huh? Yeah. Like I wanted to do this forever. My main goal was always to be 
an anchor in Columbus, Ohio, because that's near where I was born and raised. And by the time my career took me to Miami, Florida, going to Columbus would have been a step backwards. It would have been like me demoting myself. And by that point, I met my husband who went into the golf business. So we have to live somewhere warm year round so he could work. Now we can live anywhere. But at the time, that was the plan. And it's just hard after you live in South Florida for so many years to say, okay, let's go back to Ohio where you have winters and whatnot. <laughs> and no ocean. That's true. I'm just not a big like, beach person, but my husband uh, is like, he wants to live within driving distance to the ocean. So we got to stay here. That's, that's great. That is not a problem. I'm guessing <laughs> how, when you were a broadcast journalist, do you, well, can you share a story or two that maybe like caught you off guard out? I, I had worked as a print journalist, but I always wondered with broadcast because you're on live, right? Yeah. Um, and people are so eloquent when they're reporting stories. How easy was that for you or how challenging was that for you? Okay, good question. So I remember, I mean, I have so many stories I could tell. I remember the first time I went live. I was so nervous. I tried to remember every single every single thing that I was going to say word for word. And the minute I got tripped up on a word, I like everything was out the window. So that is when I learned, don't memorize what you're going to say word for word. Like, you know what's going on. You know what you're talking about. Just have your notepad a little lower out of camera's view. And it's okay to glance down and look at your notes just to keep you on track, just those bullet points. So that's kind of what I would do. And that's what I suggest for anybody who is doing any kind of video or if they're doing a, a an interview and they need to have a conversation, just have your bullet points so you know what points you wanna make. Because when you start to memorize things word for word, if you say and instead of but, then you're all kinds of tripped up. But like I've done crazy things on TV. Luckily, I've never cussed on TV and I'm a cusser in real life. So I'm glad that never slipped. But one time I just completely blanked out and I forgot who I was and where I was and who I worked for. Because like at the end of your live shot, you're supposed to say something like in Miami, I'm Christina Nicholson for NBC six. And I just had like a brain fart. And wow. I totally forgot what to say. Like the thing that I say at the end of every live shot every day, I just blanked out and I just kind of like stood there. And I think they just ended up going back to the studio. So that's happened. I've been hit before. Um, and it's it's so sad that we're doing this interview right after a reporter and photographer were shot in Orlando. The reporter died. The photographer's in critical condition. But when I heard that story, I was like, that was that that is what I was afraid for every day when I would go out and about. Because nine times out of 10, you're doing a story on crime. So you're in a not nice neighborhood. You're around not so nice people. You're talking about not so nice people. And it was always just like a fear of mine because of my surroundings and because of what we were doing, especially now it's so heightened because it's become political and, you know, journalists have become the enemy of the people. But I remember once I'm standing there ready to go live, like literally seconds away and a man walked by and he just punched me so hard in the shoulder and I couldn't do anything because I was literally two seconds away from going live. So I just kind of had to like write myself up and do what I was supposed to do. And I feel like a lot of people watching TV and watching the news, like they don't understand 
what it is we do. They just see like part of it on TV. It's kind of like watching, you know, Grey's Anatomy and thinking, you know what it's like to be a doctor. Yes, <laughs> I yes. feel like that's what it's like for people who work in the media. Like you mm. only see a little part of it and you're so judgmental of it. Mm -hmm. Like I have a Google drive folder of all the death threats that I've gotten. And oh my gosh. All the really? emails of people who don't like your hair or you're gaining weight or they don't like seeing a pregnant person on TV, like all of the things. Um, but listen, it has helped me build quite a thick skin. Anybody could say anything to me on the internet and I probably won't give a shit just because I've been dealing with this on an extreme level for so many years. Wow, that is unbelievable. I can't believe you <laughs> dealt with all that and that people send death threats. That's insane. The most death threats I ever got working as a reporter was when I reported on Justin Bieber's drag racing arrest, arrest in Miami. All of the believers came for me. They did not like that I was telling people that Justin Bieber was in the slammer for drag racing. And I mean, like the torture that people wished upon me and the death. And, and then they would get all of their believers to come at me on Instagram. And it was just like, it's a, it's, they're the believers. So yeah. I wasn't like literally scared for my life. It was more entertaining yeah. and kind of like scary. Like, oh my gosh, this man and his fans, like his fans yeah. are a little loopy. <laughs> yeah. That's, I would never expect that of him, you know, <laughs> such a tough crowd. Tough crowd, the believers. Let me yeah. tell you. <laughs> how, how many years did you work as a broadcast journalist? Uh, full-time 10. I okay. still dabble in it a little oh, bit. You, you know, I still do stuff. I'm, I'm a host on Lifetime TV. I do a lot of stuff with them on their morning shows, the balancing act and designing spaces, but full-time mm -hmm. all day, every day. I did it for 10 years. I started in News 12, the Bronx. And then from there, you know, you, you start small and work your way right. up in the industry. So from there, I went to Beaumont, Texas, to Fort Myers, Florida, to the Miami, Fort Lauderdale market. Well, you improved on every step of the way there. Every step of the way. So even though New York City is the biggest market, I was at a cable yeah. station in the Bronx and I was only there. It was, uh, it wasn't an internship, but it was this interesting situation where it's like, you could try them out. They could try you out. It was, I mean, it was pretty cool because I learned quickly that New York City is one of those places that I'm happy to visit for a few days, but I do not want to live there. So from there, I made a tape and that got me to Beaumont, Texas. And I met my husband there at a country bar. I worked there for a year, made a tape. That tape got me to Fort Myers, Florida. And from there, made a tape. And that tape got me. And I, I say tape, like I feel like a, an old person. Now we just put like <laughs> the videos on YouTube and send the link. Um, but we were doing VHS tapes. Like I remember back in, in the college, 1900s, right? The yes, the 1900s. I remember, um, this was, no, this was even the 2000s. I graduated okay. college in 2005. Okay. So I remember putting in like the VHS tape and pressing play. And then on the same like VCR pressing record to like go to the DVD. So then I could send the DVD, like how wild that that was 2005, 2000, yeah. even 2007. I don't think I got my first job till 2007, but I think, you know, by the time I, I ended up in Miami, which was 2011, I was probably sending them a link to my reel on, on YouTube. And then I was in Miami, Fort Lauderdale, 
for four years. And I ended up leaving the business completely just because I had two kids at that point. Okay. And I didn't have family here. My husband didn't have family here. The schedule is ridiculous. My husband was in the golf business, which has another ridiculous schedule. So I just needed something more flexible. And that's really the reason why I left. Well, that's a perfect transition because I I wanted to know what happened next and how you, you burst your business medium even. Yeah. So I went from TV to PR just because it's a natural transition. A lot of people in the business do this just because we know what it's like to be on the receiving end of the pitches. We know what works and what doesn't. We know what we can take into a morning meeting and pitch to the producers and news directors. And they'll be like, yeah, that's a good story. And it was very clear to me, the people sending these pitches have not worked in the industry. Like they were just so off base with their pitches. Most of the time they were overly promotional. Most of the time they weren't newsworthy at all. Like they wanted a commercial I should have just sent them upstairs to sales, you know, like it wasn't going to be a story. So I wanted something flexible. I got a job at a PR agency and that only lasted six months because I was in the same pickle. I had a bad boss who prior to being hired told me it was a flexible schedule. I could work from home, which really like my work ethic is not something that can be questioned. Like I can work from home and work harder than nine out of 10 people in your office. So The fact that he was very old school and wanted like to babysit more than he wanted to lead was a situation for me. So after six months, I left and I said, you know what? This is a service-based industry. I don't need a lot of money to get started. I'll just go on Upwork and I'll go on LinkedIn and I'll get my own clients. And I did that for two years by myself and I was freaking miserable. I was a nightmare to be around. Like it was just tough. Because I was wearing all of the hats and doing all of the things. I was a salesperson. I was my own marketer. I was doing all the servicing myself. And it wasn't until I hired my first business coach where I learned about business. Because remember, Mm. up until this point, I didn't know shit about business. It was just like, I just knew how to get clients coverage. And I learned more about business. I hired my first team member to take a lot of the work off of my shoulders. And then from there... I started to become very interested in the possibility of things because I started learning more about business and entrepreneurship. And I learned, it sounds silly now, but I learned I was in control of how much money I made. I was in control of when I took time off. I was in control of who I worked with and who I didn't work with. So that's when my goals started to change, not just financially, but also just for my lifestyle. Like, how did I want to spend my days? What did I actually want to do? And what could I pay somebody else to do and still make money? So that was when I started consuming all kinds of entrepreneurial content online, investing in myself and in my business by hiring coaches and joining masterminds. And now eight years later, here we are. That's amazing. Tell us what your business looks like today and and how, what your different revenue streams are. Yeah. So today my business, the main part of my business is the PR agency. That is where we will handle everything for you. I mean, it's what you would imagine. We work with clients who are doing at least a few million in revenue a year. And that is because our services start at $4,500 a month. And the kind of people that hire PR at this level, they know that media opportunities aren't guaranteed because this is earned It's not advertising. There is a difference between the two. If you don't understand the difference between earning coverage and getting placed in the news because you're newsworthy versus the difference between 
paying for an advertisement, then you are not ready to hire an agency because I'm going to guess that your business hasn't, hasn't reached that level yet. For me, a red flag is when a company reaches out to me and they haven't worked with PR before. They either haven't had PR in-house or outsourced just because you probably don't understand it. And I was finding that a lot of people at this um, lower level of business were reaching out to me wanting to hire me or my agency. And at this point, like I'm not doing the work myself. Like you can't hire me. I have a team of people who are better than me at this. So that's when I said, well, let me create an online course and it's just $9.97. It'll teach you everything that you need to know. It's everything we do at my agency. You just have to do it yourself or maybe your VA can do it for you. And then we have a Facebook group that goes along with it. So if you have any questions, I'm there because something I personally hate is when I purchase an online course and the course creator is nowhere to be found. Right. They can't answer any questions. Yeah, I agree. So like as I'm executing, I need your help. And then I recently, less than a year ago, I created a boot camp, and it's just $37. I wanted to make it a no-brainer. And it's kind of like an intro to the online course, but it's like a quick three-hour thing, learn to pitch the media to get publicity and turn it into profit. So everything I do is under the PR umbrella, but there's different products and services depending on where you are in your business and how much time or money you want to spend on making this a part of your marketing strategy. Yeah, I call that an ecosystem, right? I mean, you've got the low, low end all the way up onto the high, high end, which is such a brilliant way, I think, to grow a business, quite honestly. What are what are your thoughts on something that I, I get a lot is companies that reach out to me and they're like, oh, we want to feature you in a, a top 10 of personal brand experts. And oh, by the way, it's going to cost uh, whatever. <laughs> Don't even get me started on that nonsense. I know. As a, as a, having a journalism background myself too, that really irks me, but I'm just curious because I'm sure a lot of people get hit up with that, that have been doing whatever their thing is, right? For many years. Mm. So what would you advise? Yeah, there are so many scammers sliding into my DMs. Like clearly you didn't look me up before you sent me this message. And it's like either you can get on this top 10 list at this publication. And then they wait to the last minute that it's going to charge you. Okay. Well then I'm not really in the top 10. I'm just paying for an advertisement. Exactly. That says I'm in it. Like that's not real life. And then they'll say, Oh, we can guarantee you coverage here, 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 and here. Well, how can you guarantee the coverage? Like, do you work at all of those places? Do you sell ads at all of those places? The only way you can guarantee any kind of coverage is if you're paying for an advertisement and if that advertisement that you are paying for is from somebody who works in sales at that department, because a lot of people are being shady and they're getting contributing roles at these outlets because these outlets want to keep pumping out as much content as they can. So they'll hire anybody to be a contributor. It's great. I mean, I suggest people become a contributor. I have a PDF of places accepting contributors. It's so good for your personal brand. However, you should become a contributor to a place to share your expertise, to meet people, to create that content. You should not do it to take money from people around you to be included because so many shady things happen after you agree to take money to from somebody to be included 
in a specific outlet at a specific time, one, that's against all of the FTC guidelines. Like if something is advertised, it needs to be said that this was paid for. And two, I've heard so many horror stories. One person joined my media mentoring program after she paid somebody for coverage in a specific outlet. Not only did she not get in that outlet, they included her in another outlet with a similar name. And she was like, I would have never paid for this coverage. And then there was recently a woman who contributed to Forbes and her niche was Shark Tank. Anything that was on Shark Tank, she would write about it. And she was charging people to be included in these articles. And Forbes found out and they deleted every single article that she ever wrote for them. And she did this for years. So all of those people that paid her, because it was an ad, when you stop paying or it gets found out, it disappeared. So like if anybody is sliding into your DMs or into your email and they are guaranteeing coverage and they're charging you for it, first of all, that's an ad. And second of all, you better make sure they work for that media outlet that they are selling you an ad to or else like you're just pissing your money away. Yeah, totally. No, that's great advice. The ethics in media these days, right? It's just, as we were talking about a little bit before, just completely tanked for, for so many people, which is yeah. so Yeah, and you know, I'd be interested to hear why you think that is. I think it's, I think the ethics in journalism has tanked for a few reasons. One of them being ads don't work the way they used to. People are not paying attention to advertisements the way they used to. So a lot of these media outlets are hurting for dollars. So they need to find different ways to make money. And they need to find different ways to create more and more content because now there's so many ways for us to consume it. And then that's when they're bringing on contributors. And then these contributors are not as well regulated as they should be, just because again, it's a numbers game. And I really do feel like a lot of these media outlets are like, whatever, I'm going to turn a blind eye because we need to pump out more content because we need to make money in another way. And, you know, there's just so many different ways that media outlets are making money now besides advertising because advertising doesn't work as well. And then outside of that, so many people can become their own media entity. Like you have podcasts, for example, and podcasts aren't regulated like other traditional forms of media because they're so new. And all of these people making laws, they're so freaking old that they're not down with the times and they don't understand like a podcast is a legit media outlet and people can start a podcast and they can say whatever they want and it's not regulated, it's not fact-checked, all of the things. And then one other point I wanna make is People consuming the media are acting dumb. They're not understanding the difference between a factual news program and an opinion show. Yeah. Like people are watching this shit on Fox News and they think the stuff that these people say is factual. When one of the Fox News hosts, I forget his name, said, I don't fact check any, I don't fact check anything. I just I just talk about what I want to talk about and it's not fact checked. Like you need to know when you're watching somebody and they're sharing their opinion on something or they're sharing the facts about something. And right. I think people have become stupid. They've become lazy and they've become so set in their ways that when they see somebody sharing their opinion, they're going to say, oh, yep, I agree with that. That's a fact. It's not an yeah. opinion. Yeah. No, I absolutely agree with all your points, especially that last one. It's people are lacking critical thinking skills. 
and discernment, right? And just because somebody has a particular title and they're on TV, they kind of just take it as gospel. And it's so easy to tell the difference between an opinion and and fact-based news. So I really encourage people to kind of look beyond the veneer and and see if it's a, a fact versus an opinion. And the other thing that I think that has led to the demise is just the 24-hour news cycle, right? And all on all platforms, whether it's broadcast, online, etc. But it's really hard to fill a 24-hour news cycle. And the other thing I've learned is um, many publications or organizations are hiring younger journalists so they don't have to pay them as much exactly. as the older, more seasoned people who who grew up at a time where journalistic ethics were really part of the industry. Um, and the industry was really about bringing truth to the public so things could be exposed. And now I think, to your point, you know, people are being bought out left and right. Yeah. And not only are they hiring younger people, but they're they're giving packages to these older, more seasoned people so they don't have to pay them more. Yeah. Just yeah. getting rid of them to bring in the younger guys. And I mean, I remember when I was working as a reporter in Miami, I was nine months, nine months pregnant, carrying around my camera, my tripod, going to the hood to do a news story by myself because they could pay me to do the job of what used to be multiple people. I'm my own photographer. I'm the reporter. I would edit my own stories. Like those are three different jobs that I was yes. doing as one person getting paid as one person. Right, right. Yeah. Well, that's impressive. But I understand <laughs> you. what you're saying. Honestly, I didn't mind it. I didn't like being sent to the hood by myself. There were many times when I would call the newsroom and be like, Hey, I don't feel safe here. Yeah. And they would be like, Oh, well, we don't have a photographer. Like we don't have a photographer and we need this story done. And if I don't do my job, there are 500 other women who look just like me, who they would hire in a second to do that, who would do that. So you're kind of forced <laughs> right. to be in these situations to do this job. But honestly, I didn't mind it again, outside of being in sketchy situations, just because I knew what I was shooting. I knew what sound bites I wanted to use. And I I learned to be very efficient with my time. So right. I would always bring a book. I'm a big reader. Yeah. And if I had any extra time, I could run my errands. I could read my book, whatever it was. But it's funny because as soon as it came time to go live, a photographer would miraculously appear and meet me wherever I was to do that live shot. Interesting. Oh, so interesting. <laughs> So what would your team, let's switch gears a little bit. What would your team say are aspects of your personal brand? How would they describe you? Um, as far as working for me, I am very much like the kind of manager I would have wanted to had, have. You can work anywhere. You can wear whatever you want. You can work whenever you want. I'm not going to tell you how to do your job. I'm just going to share the goals. And as long as you are hitting those goals, I don't care about anything else. I don't care where you went to college. I don't care if you went to college. I don't care what your grades were if you went to college. Can you hit these goals for the client? If the answer is yes, then you're hired. I don't check up on them. They don't, you know, send me anything. Like these are my hours. I don't care how many hours you work. Did you, did you hit your goals? That's it. Is the client happy? Are you happy? Perfect. Like that is it. It is very laid back here at Media Maven. And we just do our jobs. Like we're all adults. We right. don't need to be babysat. 
I don't need to have a meeting every other day to show you that I'm the boss and pull my rank. Like I hated that shit when I worked Mm -hmm. in corporate America. I don't like to waste time and that's a waste of time. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. when it comes to working with me, that's how we do. We just get things done. And with our clients, we don't do the whole onboarding thing like that last week's. We have one call and that call is less than an hour. And it's like, what are your goals? What do you want? Why do you want it? What's the end goal? What's the short term term goal? What are you seeing that you like? What are you seeing that you don't like? And then we go and execute that day because this, this planning and this talking and this researching, it has a time and place. But in PR, when we're trying to get you coverage, we just hit the ground running and we do it. We don't waste time. And I think some of that also comes from my experience working in the news. And a lot of people on my team come from the news where it's like, you have a freaking deadline and you have to meet it or you're in big trouble. So we just get shit done. That's what we do at our agency, like internally. And that's what we do for our clients externally. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Do you Have you ever turned a potential client away because you didn't? think that they, they had content that was newsworthy? Yes. There are some clients that are harder for us to take on. I recently turned away, um, this amazing dancer who has, um, dance classes and he's worked with people who have turned into choreographers for people like Beyonce and, you know, like all of the big names. And he wanted to get attention for his dance class for parents and get kids in there and all of that here in South Florida. And I said, look, to hire an agency to do this, that's going to cost you a lot of money. And you're focused on filling up a dance program instead of, of working with an agency like mine, I'm just going to tell you what to do. And I told him like, these are a few influencers you should connect with because they have a strong grasp in the Boca Raton area. I made email intros to my local friends here who do news in South Florida. I was like, that's all you need to do. And you just need to stay in touch with them. And whenever you have a cool story, like just share it. Like if if you're ever doing a flash mob or if anything's, you know, like ever happening nationally that you can localize. But I feel like it's just going to be hard to pitch you day in and day out with only a local audience and that one angle that is your goal. So like, that's an example of a client that I turned away. I turn away a lot for budget. Like they want to pay so little below the industry average and they want to pay that to get sales right away. If you need sales right away, you don't hire a PR agency. You hire a badass salesperson. Yeah, totally. Because earning media exposure isn't sales. Can it lead to it? Yes. Does it usually? If you do it right, it does. I mean, I can share examples where we've gotten one client, one piece of media and their sales went through the roof. And then I can share other examples where clients needed to get lots of media over time in different places. So when they're top of mind, people will reach out to them to do business. But if you need sales right away and like your saving grace is hiring a PR agency, then you're doing it wrong. That's just not how it works. So um, I will turn people away if they are like that because they are the biggest pain in the ass clients. They will email you every day. They will be super critical of everything you're doing. They will try to tell you how to do their job because they're so nervous because they need those sales. But like, we're not salespeople. We could get you coverage in all the right places. But if your website sucks, we can't do anything about that. 
I had a restaurant client. We got them amazing coverage all the time, but their reviews were always terrible. And they were like, help us with the reviews. And I'm like, your customer service is terrible. When people go into that restaurant, these servers don't give a shit. The hostess is on her phone, ignoring people. Like I can't help you with that. No. So when people put sales on PR, it bothers me. And that's why. Yeah, no, that makes a ton of sense. What do you attribute the success of your agency to your one-on-one clientele in particular? Is it the the deep connections that your team has within the industries that they're working in? There's a couple of things that I think lead to our success. One, a lot of our team comes from news. Like we have somebody who used to be a booker at Good Morning America. Like she used to book the people to be on GMA. So she knows what she's looking for. Uh, My director of operation came from TV news and radio news. Like we just have a lot of people who come from the news industry. So they know what it's like to be on the other side. And then another thing is just staying focused on the goal. Like I could be an agency that takes a bunch of clients for $2,000 a month. But I don't want a bunch of clients for $2,000 a month. I'd rather have a handful of them that pay me more. So we can be all in and focused on those few clients than have a bunch and do a little bit in a whole bunch of different ways. And then at the end of the day, all those clients are unhappy. So instead, we focus like hardcore on just a few good ones. Like I'm not trying to, to build like some kind of mega PR agency. I want to keep a boutique agency. I want my team like lean and strong. Right now I have a team of eight women and just a handful of clients. I don't think I will ever want more than 10 clients at a time. And every time we bring on a client, they have a team of at least two or three people. So I'm happy to expand the team that so that the clients get a lot of attention. And I think another thing that we do, and I've heard this from clients that they say is rare, is that we give them updates every week. And I've had clients say, oh, the last PR agency we worked with, we never really knew what they were doing because they weren't like telling us. And with PR, when you can't guarantee anything, it's so important to send them an email once a week and say, hey, this is what we did this week. This is what worked. This didn't work. We think we're going to go this way next week. And we need your help with X, Y, Z. If there's anything we're missing, let us know. But like, this is the recap of everything we did this week. And that's so important because you cannot guarantee this stuff. And that feedback, it's not only helpful to us, but it's helpful for them. And we try to be very transparent with our clients, tell them everything we're doing, why we're doing it, how we're doing it, all of the things. Right, right. No, that's great. It's funny, right? How simple communication like that can go such a long way. But I know so much goes into PR, right? So many pitches that may or may not yield to anything to your point. So giving that, that account of, you know, showing that accountability, I think is huge. So that's great that you all do that. Can you share, say, maybe two or three tips for someone trying to get placement? You know, what might be a good way to approach or like how to consider something that they're doing if it's news, newsworthy or not? Yeah. So I'll give you three tips on getting coverage if you want to build your brand or, you know, get more attention for your business or your service. One, stop telling yourself that you're not ready for it. A lot of women do this. They will make excuses on why, well, I'm not ready to be an XYZ because I don't have this. They make all kinds of excuses. You're putting the cart before the horse. The way you get more money a bigger brand, more leads, a bigger email list. The way you get all of that is by being in front of people. 
Like you get the attention first and then the leads come in. And a lot of these people think, oh, I'm not ready because I don't have as many customers or I don't have this, that, and the other. Well, you're not gonna get that if you don't get attention. The PR gives you attention. So many people get that backwards and they think that they need the attention, the money, the pretty website, all of the things to get the coverage. And that speaks to the perception of coverage. When you see somebody getting media coverage, you think, oh, they're there because they're a big deal. No, they became a big deal by getting there. So you need to get there. So my first tip is like, get off the pot and make it happen. And then number two, stop promoting yourself. And I know this sounds like counterintuitive, but when you lead with a promotion about yourself or your product or your service, it's gonna fall flat. That promotion comes by default, regardless of what you're going to talk about, regardless of what's going to be covered, they're going to identify you as the owner of XYZ or the expert in whatever it is. Like the promotion comes by default. So remember, it's not the media's job to promote you. If you want that, you pay for an ad. If you are helping a journalist do their job, just help them. The promotion will come by default. So like pump the brakes on the promotion. And then three, after you get the coverage, Please, for the love of God, share it and share it everywhere. It blows my mind how many people will earn media coverage and they won't post it on social media. They won't share it with their email list. They won't put it on their website. First of all, it's bad for you. Like I can't even tell you how many leads I get from people who see me sharing client wins or they see me sharing my own wins. I wrote for Inc. Magazine for two years. I never had a client say, oh, I saw this article on Inc. I want to work with you. They came to me because they saw me sharing the article on Inc. on LinkedIn. So you have to be sharing this stuff, not only for yourself, but because the person who took the time to interview you, to give you publicity on their platform will appreciate it. It's almost rude not to share that. So those are three tips before you pitch, while you're pitching and after. That's brilliant. You, I love your no nonsense style. You are, and <laughs> I don't you have are, time to beat around the bush. Rachel. No, no, and you've got so much goodness, Christina. Where's the best place for people to learn about you and hire Media Maven or check out your course? Thank you. Okay, so I mentioned sixteen places to pitch to be a contributor. Check those out. I made it super easy. 16places.com. Okay. Okay. It doesn't get any easier than that. (laughs) So these are 16 places. They're accepting contributors. Um, I will link to some ideas that they want and the person to contact to become a contributor. And then I mentioned my bootcamp, just $37. No brainer. You can access that at pitchpublicityprofit.com. And I have my own podcast while you're in the app. Check out Become a Media Maven. And then on social, I'm at Christina all day, pretty much everywhere. That's awesome. We'll put all those links in the show notes too. So people will be sure to find you and all the amazing content that you share. Thank you so much, Rachel. It was lovely chatting with you. I hope you enjoyed this episode of The Business of You. If you found a little dose of inspiration or learned something new, Please leave a review and share it with a friend or even two. Interested in building your brand and business? Tune in next time to the Business of You podcast. And remember, there's only one you. You're the biggest differentiator your business has. Until next time, friends.